2: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. The official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the
3: Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Sadly, it's another Silver Linings edition of the HHC Hornets suffering their fourth consecutive loss. This one, a 122-106 to final against the team with the best record in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. Boston improves to 32 and 12. Uh, Charlotte had a reasonably good showing by any measure in the first half. They actually led this game at halftime by four, but in the second half, unable to sustain the offensive output that would have been required to keep up with the Celtics and end up losing it by 16. We'll dissect the contest, give you our silver linings, and also talk about a special moment during the game, the official retirement of the number 6 inside Spectrum Center. Bill Russell's legendary number has been retired across the league. Of course, current players wearing it do get grand Fathered in and can continue to wear the number. And we'll actually talk about that as well here on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo with us again. And Rob, thanks as always for joining us here. Hornets fall 122-106. to 106. It was an interesting game in that Charlotte has the worst record in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics have the best record in the Eastern Conference. So there's certain expectations from the outside about how this game is supposed To go, and yet the Hornets have been playing good offensive basketball over the last week and a half or so, and they came up with a really good effort and kept up with the best team in basketball for 24 minutes. They were unable to sustain it for the full 48, but I think a lot of things to look at positively for the Hornets from this game. Certainly,
4: and something that we've talked about over the last couple games over the course of this four-game road trip that they went on, this four-game now-losing streak, if you want to call it that as well, after last night's loss. The has looked really good, and I know that was not really the case there. And maybe the second half, they were only able to put up 40 points there. And give credit to Boston, of course. They're the best team in the league for a reason, or the best team in the Eastern Conference for a reason. And they showed up in the second half. And I'm not saying that Boston didn't show up in the first half by any means, because they certainly did. But it took them a little while to get going, and Charlotte was able to hold their own, obviously. They almost shot 62% From the field in the first quarter, LaMelo Ball had a really good second quarter where you know he was able to account for almost 63% of the total offense. He had 11 points in the second frame. He had four assists in there that resulted in nine points off of those assists. He was doing everything, and then LaMelo got shut out a little bit there in the third quarter. He only had two points in the third frame, and then he finishes, of course, with a team-high 31. But at the end of the day, that first half, if the Hornets could play like that for a full 48... There are very few teams that are going to be able to beat them, but of course that was obviously not the case. Jason Tatum, Went off there in the second half and it just kind of unraveled from there. So, I mean, outside of the first, you know, couple minutes of the third quarter where the Celtics were finally able to take a lead for the first time at the 724 mark of the third quarter, that was their first lead since it was 18 to 17 with about 637 left in the first. So the Hornets had that stretch there from midway through the first to about the midway point of the third quarter where they were playing really, really good basketball and they were able to sustain a pretty extended run. But again, the Celtics closed the second quarter on a 20 to 8 run and that was kind of the unraveling as they closed on a 10 to 2 run in the third quarter as well and that was basically the ball game right there.
3: Yeah, the the Celtics just they they keep coming at you, they keep firing and hitting more than most teams do from 3 and they end up pulling away for the 122 to 106 victory. Biggest positive for me, you know, the difference between the Boston loss and the back-to-back losses to Toronto With Toronto, Charlotte shot the ball well, had a good offensive game, as I thought they did for the most part last night as well. But there was some glaring issue that allowed Toronto to overcome the Hornets shooting the ball better than the Raptors did. Game one, it was offensive rebounds for Toronto, giving them second-chance opportunities, which they eventually made good on enough to get the win. Game two, it was a combination of fouling and turnovers that gave the Raptors the additional free throws and field goal attempts to overcome the Hornets once again, out shooting them. Charlotte basically shot the same percentage as Boston last night, and there wasn't a glaring issue in terms of offensive rebounds. Boston was a little bit better, 14, compared to the Hornets pulling down 10. Second chance points. Celtics only beat the Hornets by two points in that department. Turnovers, similar. Charlotte turned it over 11 times. Boston, seven. Yes, the Celtics scored 10 more points off turnovers than the Hornets did. But still, not glaring in either department. But the difference between the Celtics and the Raptors is that Toronto needs to have something like that happen in order to get a win and overcome their own deficiencies shooting the basketball. Boston doesn't need that much daylight. They don't need any, quite frankly. They're good enough of a shooting team to win the majority of the time, regardless of whether or not you have that disparity in shot attempts. But even if you give them just a small crease to wriggle their way through they end up making that small crease a huge gap and that's why the hornets lost last night ended up being by 16 points rather than two or three or maybe a hornets win as it would have been if this were any ordinary squad and enough from our opinions on what went wrong from the hornets here's hornets head coach steve clifford on the result from last night
5: well
1: i think tatum became more aggressive you know that when after when he when he re-entered the game and then um uh, To start the third, you know, he was for sure. You know, so I think that was part of it. And then, uh, you know, I think they picked up their defensive intensity in the third. You know, we we struggled to guard them. Actually, the whole game, I mean, we were up because we were scoring at a really high clip, which is going to be hard to do against them for the whole game. But, you know, we never were able to guard them for any sustained period of time.
3: The last part he put in there, it's going to be hard to score against them at that kind of clip. That talks about something that Boston's done well this year that the Hornets have struggled with at times, and that is the defensive rating. Yes, the, the headline for Boston is they're the second best offense in the NBA, but the, the B side of it is that they're also a top 10 defense. That's why they are elite. It's not just that they can outscore you. It's that even when their shots are not falling as proficiently as normal, which was the case last night, Jason Tatum did not of a very efficient game four for 14 from three is not particularly strong but they can overcome that because of the way they can defend
4: well they're first in the association they have the best record in the nba for a reason it's because if the offense isn't there then the defense picks up the slack and for a while there Boston's offense wasn't there, then they were able to just have a barrage from beyond the three-point line. I mean, they chucked up 53 three-point attempts in last night's game. They only connected on 19 of them, but at the end of the day, between that paired with a couple of the turnovers, a couple of the second-chance points opportunities, that was enough to overpower the Hornets. And I know there were a couple of possessions in there where it seemed like Boston, they were just so scrappy, to put it in you know just simple terms. I mean, they go out there, and there was one possession where I think they had a third Offensive rebound and a fourth offensive rebound in the same possession, and then they were finally able to punch it home and they got an and one as well. So I mean, the fact that they were just so resilient and so scrappy of again, you got to give credit to where credit is due. And it was just a couple of those kind of possessions for the Hornets defensively where it seemed like they had everything sewed up and they defended 22 seconds of the shot clock or 23 and a half seconds of the shot clock, and then. The Celtics got a reset in a fresh 14, and then all of a sudden they're able to score on those second chance point opportunities. And I know that was a little bit of an issue. In Toronto it was an issue again a little bit last night, but the second chance points aren't the reason why the Hornets lost that game last night. It's part of the reason, but it's not the main reason. So, you know, that was a little frustrating to see, and I think just the offense going cold there in the second half in general. I mean, anytime you come out in the third quarter and you get outscored thirty three to nineteen, it's gonna be really hard to win ball games and Boston won the fourth quarter as well, twenty seven to twenty one. So not as big of a disparity, but at the end of the day when you get outscored there in the third quarter and you end up going down ten into the fourth frame, it makes things
3: difficult. Hornets fall 122 to 106. Coming up next are silver linings from last night's loss to the Celtics. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta.
2: The feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this.
3: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets led the number one team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, at halftime at one point in the first half, were up significantly by double figures led by as many as 16 but ended up falling by the final score of 122-106. to 106. Several stars in this game. I want to highlight certainly for Boston, Jason Tatum, a bad shooting day. He still scored... 33 points, 13 points, and 12 assists, a double-double for Marcus Smart. And then Malcolm Brogdon, season high off the bench with 30 points. Hornets are going to have round two against the Celtics tomorrow, an MLK Day edition of Hornets basketball, and it will be a 1 p.m. tip time. Tickets are available at Hornets.com. And just because it's an early tip does not mean we will deprive you of the Hornets. Have cast. We'll have our game preview edition for tomorrow. Right now, though, it's time for silver linings from last night. Rob Longo, you get to choose first. For my silver lining from
4: last night's game, I got to go with Terry Rozier.
3: 4:14 left to go. Hornets got to get hot right now. Rozier into the lane, up and under with a left-hand scoop shot. Yes, count it in a foul. I
4: think Terry Rozier gets my silver lining performance from last night's game just solely based on that shot right there. It was kind of a scoop up and under move that he made going towards the lane, kind of came down the right side of the lane, then switched hands, was able to go up and under with the left and get the and-one opportunity. And I'm sitting there, I go, how in the heck did he make that bucket? But he's able to convert the and-one, gave the Hornets a little bit of hope there late in the fourth quarter. They still trailed by 14 at that point, but Terry Rozier had a really good first quarter. He had 10 points. He was 4-5 or five from the field. Cooled off in at second, but that was the time that LaMelo Ball really got going, so not going to fault him there for that second quarter performance by any means of the imagination because when LaMelo's hot, LaMelo's hot. You let him kind of do his own thing. Didn't have a big third quarter outburst, but then he also had six points in the fourth frame as well. Terry Rozier finishes with 21 points. Second highest on a team, of course, other than LaMelo Ball, but four rebounds, three assists 8 of 17 shooting, not the greatest 2 of 8 from Beyond the Arc, not so much either as well, but I thought he limited the turnovers a little bit where the turnovers were slightly an issue as. Charlotte ends up turning the ball over 11 times, results in 15 Boston points, but at the end of the day, Terry Rozier was my silver lining performance from last night's game, just basically because I think of that highlight that I played right there.
3: It's a good highlight, 21 points for Terry, Uh, he's had a really good run here as of late, that's now seven straight games where he has made multiple threes, and over that stretch he's averaging a little north of 25 points per game over those last seven, unfortunately there's only one win in those last seven, but Terry individually certainly playing well Well, uh, he's also uh, within striking distance now. Of ninth in Hornets franchise history, he is now 37 points back of Gerald Henderson for ninth in franchise history for career points. Terry has 4,664, so perhaps if he gets really hot tomorrow, he might be able to get that 37-point output. Would not quite be a season high, just under it, so something we've seen him do before recently, actually. His season high was on the 6th in Milwaukee at the start of that last road trip. My pick for a silver lining, I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball. Rebound to LaMelo Ball. Hornets down by three. LaMelo scampers into the paint. Up with a right-hand bank shot. Yes! Count it a foul! LaMelo was exceptional, and sometimes you'll learn just how exceptional a player is by the kind of stat lines they can put forth when they are not shooting the ball well, just as much as you can have these eye-popping numbers when they do shoot it well. Jason Tatum was the leading scorer in the game, 33 points, and he missed his first five threes. He ends up four for 14 from beyond the arc. Not a very good night for him shooting the basketball. His season average is 34% from deep. He was in the 20s last night. By the way, the 34% is a career low, so that's how good of a shooter he is. He's having a bad year and he's shooting 34%. He was also below five hundred, so to speak, from the floor, 12 for 27. And yet, still nine rebounds, still six assists, still a game high with 33 points. And similarly, LaMelo Ball struggled with his three-point shot last night. He was one for eight from deep. This is a guy who has made the most threes in the NBA since he returned from injury on December 14th. I don't believe that will change. We'll find out uh, as we get ready for tomorrow's game. But nonetheless, you know, LaMelo has been shooting the ball really, really well. And yet, last night he didn't. And he still managed to score 31 points, back-to-back 30-point games for LaMelo. He was on triple-double pace at halftime, didn't end up quite getting there, finishes with seven rebounds and nine assists. Um But from a scoring standpoint, uh, this is the best we've seen from Lamelo. It's just the second time in his career he's had back-to-back 30-point games. He's never had three in a row. He'll go for that tomorrow, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him try and accomplish that. So Lamelo Ball and Terry Rogier are silver lining selections. One other silver lining to throw in there is just the the spirit of this team. It would be easy to understand with an 11 and 33 record and uh, the squad sinking further and further back of a playoff or play in tournament position, uh, how people could be disheartened, but you see night after night, the effort is there, they're giving themselves a chance to win Uh, and against a great team like Boston, you need to be near perfect and and the Hornets just weren't in the second half, but there's reason for optimism and uh, P.J. Washington, who had a really strong first half, he by the way moved ahead of LaMelo Ball for ninth in franchise history in career made threes, so congrats to P.J. Washington on that statistical accomplishment, he now has 396 career 3 so closing in on 400 but nonetheless PJ talked about the team's spirit after the game
5: I think we're still in good spirits I mean we know we got to do to be good in this league. I mean, we played a good half in the first half and we kind of got away from it. So we just got to be better disciplined, especially in the third quarters and try to get uh, more stops and run better offense and uh, just play together.
3: It's just an important thing to keep in mind. You know, there's no such thing as an unimportant NBA game, uh, particularly for guys who are in contract years like P.J. Washington is and trying to cement his role with this organization moving forward. This is a great opportunity for him. He's scoring at a career clip. 15 points per game is the best that he has has ever done in the NBA and his three-point percentage is starting to climb back towards its normal levels now that he's playing consistently with LaMelo Ball so looking forward to seeing more good spirit and good effort from the Hornets and hopefully it results in a win tomorrow against Boston. One more segment here to go on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta and there was something else significant that happened last night at the Hive Bill Russell's number six was officially retired, a banner unveiled we'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast.
2: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P A C A S O.com.
3: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornets I've cast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets unveiled a banner at Spectrum Center last night commemorating the number 6 jersey of Bill Russell, which was officially retired throughout the NBA following his passing in July. Bill Russell of course was a civil rights pioneer as well as an Aismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer. His Hall of Fame credentials second to none in the NBA when it comes to winning 11 11- and. NBA championships. That's a record. Five NBA MVP awards, a 12-time All-Star. He is the first player to have his number retired across the NBA. It doesn't happen, quite frankly, in sports, period. And it means that you did something more than just be great on the court or on the playing surface. It means you had a lasting impact on our society as a whole, and Bill Russell did just that. He was the first African-American head coach in NBA history when he became player head coach for his final three seasons with the Celtics. He was awarded the 2010 Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor for both his athletic feats and his lifelong commitment to social justice, and it's fitting that his number 6 is now retired across the NBA. I do have to throw in there that those currently wearing the number 6 are grandfathered in. There are 14 Players currently wearing the number six, including Jalen McDaniels. We actually had some fun on the broadcast last night, a little stat stuff having to do with number 6. We'll get into that a little bit later here, but I thought it was a, a beautiful tribute. I thought there were was a really nice montage put together. Fred Whitfield, president of the Charlotte Hornets, had a wonderful speech. And a, just all in all, a, a nice moment to honor one of the greats of our game. And Bill Russell's number 6 will uh, never be worn again by any player not currently wearing it in the association.
4: And he was a winner, of course. I mean, that's obviously another factor in it as well. All the stuff he did off the court, absolutely phenomenal. Great basketball player, even better person, obviously, but you know the fact that he was able to win. How many championships? 11, 12, 13? It's, it's hard to keep track of how many he had. I just always think of that iconic picture of him on a magazine. I think I want to say Sports Illustrated, where he has all of his rings on his hands, and you know obviously he has one on each finger, and then he's
3: got a couple fingers that are doubled up a little bit as well. Plus, he won two college championships with the University of San Francisco, and he won an Olympic gold medal as well. It's just... He's the greatest winner ever in the history of sport. You
4: can't deny it. And I mean, the fact that obviously he's had this recognition and I think the one kind of sad point about this is the fact that he didn't get to see that. You know, that's kind of the one thing that, you know, would have been nice to see him at least see his number get to the rafters before he passed away over the summer, of course. But I mean, the fact he's able to get this honor, his wife's able to see it, his family's able to see his legacy and of course, it's going to live on forever and ever, basically. So, I mean, it's just really, really touching stuff and of course, great and fitting that it's finally able to happen here in January. I know we're already halfway through the season, but finally the Celtics making their way to Charlotte of course just made so much sense and of course you as a Bay Area native I'm sure it meant a little bit more for you knowing the legacy of Bill Russell you talk about University of San Francisco and what he was able to do out West and that sort of thing of course his legacy is very impactful of course in Boston and in the Northeast as well but he also has that legacy of his hometown roots on the West Coast as well.
3: Yeah I think everyone across the NBA is touched by these tributes and and I I just got to say really well done by everyone involved with the Hornets um, making sure that was on a, a day where the Celtics were in town. Certainly the arena was full of Hornets fans but there was uh, quite a bit of a Celtic green in the building as well to see Boston and when they come to town as the number one team you kind of expect them to have some presence but certainly everyone regardless of whose jersey you were wearing in the crowd appreciated the tribute to Bill Russell. Mentioned that during the broadcast we had part of our, our nugget of the game. We were looking at the players wearing six and trying to find you know some interesting stats having to do with it and you know there are four 14 players who still wear number six, and we went through the top three players in scoring average this season wearing six. Quiz my color commentator Matt Carroll on uh, if he could name it. He got one. He got a uh, number one, LeBron James. I would quiz you, Robert. You were listening as the producer. I hope. No,
4: I was. I would <laughs> say, I will say in real time, I had two out of three. I had Jalen McDaniels and LeBron James, and I said this before we started recording. Kind of forgot about the third guy, which was the third guy was Kristaps Porzingis. I kind so. of forget that he wears six for some reason. Just kind of slipped my memory. But uh, yeah, I got two out of three So but, hey, like
3: Meatloaf says, two out of three ain't so bad Stole my line, stole my line Yeah, it was uh, it, it was fun game And uh, uh, Matt Carroll Struggled to get the other two that weren't LeBron Even gave him the clue of saying, yeah, they're both in the division Even though uh, he had one standing <laughs> right in front of <laughs> and him And yeah, the one was standing on the floor In front of him, but uh, all in good fun uh, So again, these will be the last players To wear number 6 We saw in Major League Baseball Jackie Robinson's 42 was retired Mariano Rivera was the last player to wear it for a long, long time as he was grandfathered in. I can only hope that a player like Jalen McDaniels has that kind of career uh, and we can continue to celebrate Bill Russell's legacy for a long, long time. We will for sure. That number now risen to the rafters here at Spectrum Center and retired across the NBA. One more comment here after Bill Russell's passing uh, Hornets chairman Michael Jordan had this statement. Bill Russell was a pioneer as a player, as a champion, as the NBA's first black head coach, and as an activist. He paid the way and set an example for every black player who came into the league after him, including me. The world has lost a legend. That was Hornets chairman Michael Jordan after the passing of Bill Russell. He'll be honored forever across the NBA, a fitting tribute, and uh, glad to highlight it here on the Hornets Hivecast. That's going to do it for this edition of the HHC. Thanks to Rob Longo for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And a reminder, tomorrow we will have another game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast as we preview round two of Hornets versus the Celtics. Till then, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.